Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. Started off with show notes today, Karen. We've got our evening with medium events coming up in 2019. The dates are April 26th, August 23rd, and December 13th. Tickets are on sale at the website bysarlow.com. Sips of Sanity is a second podcast series that we have that's located only on the website bysarlow.com. It's 10 minutes each show. There's five in a row. They're the first of each month, Monday to Friday. And we pick a topic to be able to help people grow their emotional intelligence and their spiritual intelligence. And we originally canceled that show as of January 1st. And here we are mm, 11 days later, and we've changed our mind. Yeah, screw it. We're going to continue to do it. We have had phenomenal feedback from listeners Mm -hmm. saying, why was it canceled? I listen to it every day. Yeah. And we figured somewhere the statistics were reported wrong. So we're bringing it back as of the very first week of February. Yes. Yeah. We're going to bring it back with a bang. It's going to be all about Beverly Angel's book, The Nice Girl Syndrome. And it's going to be the 10 core beliefs of a people pleaser. So we are really going to pick on people-pleasing behaviors because they are low EQ and they destroy your happiness and your relationships. So we're going to really focus on that so that you have a much happier and more productive 2019. Amazing. So I also wanted to mention that we actually have an extra evening with medium events coming up in March. And that is for International Women's Day at the Grand Event Center. It is hosted by the Crisis Center. And the details that we've recently been given is that you can reserve your spot by calling the Crisis Center ahead of time. Mm-hmm. It is a free event, but it's first come, first serve. So you better be calling them to reserve your spot. That's March 8th. It's a Friday. And it's 1.30 to 3.30. Yeah, don't be cranky and show up at the door and be all miserable because you couldn't get a seat. We're forewarning you that you need one to get in personal responsibility for the win (laughs) yeah yeah i don't want anybody to be cranky to the nice people at the crisis center moving on we have gift certificates and personal sessions available you can purchase them and receive them from anywhere in the world via skype facetime or telephone you can contact us through the website to set those up or call us directly and i know everybody has coffee mugs i get it but we have coffee mugs for you they're coffee with the Sarlos and Sips of Sanity. Uh, the logos are on it. You can fill up your tea or coffee when you want to listen to the show and enjoy it in your mug. They're available at the website, bysarlo.com. We're getting right into the show today, Kel. Um, what I did was I sat down and I thought about a lot of the different types of questions you and I get asked in social situations. You're giving Go me a look. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. <laughs> okay. Types of questions I get asked in social situations. Yeah, we get asked a lot about our gifts and we get asked quite a bit when we're doing public speaking or just moving through the grocery store when people realize what we do. And quite often people are really curious about how we find missing people. Oh, me too. Yes, I did say we. (laughs) Oh, you're interested in it too. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I'm interested to know how it works. I find it fascinating too. Mm -hmm. Because it changes all the time. And I learn more and more and more about what the gifts are for me, but I also see what your gifts are. So I thought in today's show, you and I could talk about 
our own gifts and how we see them in each other and how they have grown and played out over the past several years because it's been, oh my goodness, many missing people later that you and I have gained this experience. And I know that many people, even in our own community, don't know that you and I have found many. They think that we have found maybe the one or two that have become a podcast show. Right. Yeah. They don't know that we've done it far more often than that. Okay. So you have a list of questions on on your paper? Yeah. I tried to figure out um, and tried to remember some of the things that I've heard people ask you or that they've asked me or that they've asked me that pertain to how you and I can work it together at times. Okay. Okay. So Kelly, how does it come through? So at the very beginning, do you know there's going to be a missing person before anybody calls? Do you dream it? Do you get any information prior? Or does it most often happen when you just get a phone call? Do they show up at the door? Do they come in a treatment? How do you, how do they come to you? Okay. I'm I'm listening and I'm trying to go back into some of the like visuals that I've had from the different cases. And I think more often than not, I have been the missing person. Uh, like whether it was in a dream or in a journey or during the process of finding them, I feel like I've got into the missing person's body. Yeah. So I'm I'm just sort of comparing in my head because I know you'll approach me and say I dreamt of a missing person last night or I dreamt I was looking for and you seem to be the one seeking and I seem to be the lost. Oh, I, I, I can say that I've also been the one yeah. in the body as well, but I understand, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I, but for me and my experience, it just seems to be that I'm, I'm the one looking around lost. Okay. I remember being lost when I was in Timmins once and I was frozen in the snow mm-hmm. and I was looking at the mall in a parking lot. And then I found out that the man was missing. And it was like, well, that makes sense. I was laying down in the snow staring up at the mall. Is that? That's what you mean? Yeah, when you're in the person's body who's missing. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a dream, I've been like overwhelmed with the feeling of lost, but also just needing the desire to get back or the, the overwhelming thought pattern of trying to find my way back to somewhere. Oh, but I'm not even sure where I'm trying to get back to. I just know that I'm lost. Was that when we found Alexi? Uh, well, that was not in dreams so much. That was when I knew I was working on a case because we had someone call. Okay. But I'm talking about if we get a call the day after, I can recall from the dream the night before that I have this like this trying to be found or trying to find my way out of a situation. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Kelly, sometimes I know that when I'm in the person's body, I want to be dead. Oh my God, yeah. I I um I remember waking up one morning and wanting to drive my car over a bridge and into the ocean. Or, boy, that's hard to say, eh? Like when I go back and I think about something like that, like where I've thought about wanting to slip my wrists. I've thought about what it would be like to go out into the bush and hang myself and to be outside because I love nature and to want to be 
surrounded by blue skies and trees and bird sounds, so that when I take my last breath or see my last visual of earth, it would be of nature, Mm -hmm. that I would find peace in that kind of death. And I think if people think of a hanging, they wouldn't think there was any peace in something like that, that there was pain in it. And yet my whole process, when that person is found, and I'm speaking to the family member, I can say that they picked that because it brought them love and peace to be there, that they wanted to see those things. So you're literally, we literally think their thoughts, because that wouldn't be my thought. That wouldn't be my idea of peace. I'd be thinking about the bugs. I'm not a big nature person. So I know there's a difference between where it would be my own thinking and when I'm in the person who's missing. Okay, this was an interesting digression, but yes. Mm-hmm. You are spot on about a digression. How <laughs> was the question again? <laughs> no, everything you're saying is right. Yeah. Um, and maybe, I, maybe you got to that place when we were talking about being in the person's body. Yeah. And then not just being in the body to be able to look around, which I think maybe people will pause and think, whoa, 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 she just said she was in the body. I can't wrap my head around that. And then on top of that, you can physically move around in the body to know where you are mm-hmm. and to get information about location. And and yes, and then you're also topping that all off by saying, I have their thoughts. Yes. And I know people will struggle with the idea that we have someone else's thoughts because if they say, well, I don't believe in telepathy, then I just don't know what to say because I really do hear their thoughts because that would not be my thought. I don't want to be in nature like that. Well, I think it may be not so much in the believing in telepathy or not, but believing me in the extent of it mm-hmm. because I mean, if someone you love and live with walks into the room and says, you know, I really want pasta for dinner. And you were just thinking, I really want pasta for dinner. You can have a moment of, oh, we're on the same page. Not necessarily knowing or labeling it as a wavelength or hearing someone else's thoughts. Yeah. And we're saying it it can happen to the degree that we feel like their thoughts are ours. Oh, absolutely. So, again, can we clarify what question we're trying to answer? (laughs) Um, I asked you, do you know before you're reached by someone that is related or working for the family that there will be a missing person? No. So I can hear, and that's a no, not always. Okay. Because I can hear that someone's missing. I can feel like I am the missing person themselves, but that doesn't mean everyone calls us. Mm-hmm. We might find out that there was a missing person in the area or that someone was reaching out for that reason to others, but not us. Um, we often will get the affirmation after the fact. Yeah, I, I agree. So there to the variety of answers. Yeah. And, and there can be a moment of us acknowledging what we felt or saw the night before or the day before and just think now is the waiting time to see if someone calls. So my next question would be, do you initiate it when you know there's a missing person? Are you going to call up the family? Never, not once. Not ever. 
Okay. That is not our protocol. That is not our ethics. That's a boundary that I think would be immediately crossed unless someone reached out to us. Right. I, I'm on the same page. So how do people reach us? I feel like I'm selling ourselves here. No, I'm just trying to think of all of the different questions we've been asked. And because okay. it's me, I'm asking it of you basically saying that you're speaking on behalf of us. Oh, okay. So you can call any of the numbers on the website. You can email us, which certainly won't be the fastest route. Um, I would say I would say call right away. And to the degree that it's respectful, I would say during business hours, but I think if you went missing, I would probably listen to business hours. I would just call someone. Oh, no. People call at all hours. Yeah. And, and, I, and I get that. And seven days a week. But sometimes people who are not closely related to the person call and they can't affirm anything for us anyway. So it's very difficult. And this kind of goes into a different direction. If you're calling because you're a friend or you're a coworker and you know the person's gone missing, but you can't give us affirmations about their life so we can offer you yeses and noes, left and rights, then it becomes a very difficult situation. And you're probably not the right person to reach out. You're probably the right person to pass our name along to the family member. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would also say, Kelly, that when people call me, for instance, and say there's a missing person, can I help find? I always say to them, and who are you in relation to the missing person? Because there have been people who have called that call us to find out information about a missing person so that they can go to the police, especially if there's reward money. They call us and ask us for the information to take to the family. Um, they may give them our names or not, but they try to be the go-between. I find that really uncomfortable because I know the one time that we worked with the police department here in North Bay, we were basically like outright asked if we were in it for the reward and we said no. And they said, good, because you'd become suspects. Yeah. And it was like, what? <laughs> what? And it makes sense now, like when you have time to think about it. Um, but I, I would never call up a psychic and think I'm going to get information to offer the police because then I'm a suspect. Yeah. And they probably don't know they're becoming a suspect by doing it either. Yeah. But yeah. And, and people listening to this might think, what the hell? People call up psychics and ask them for information on missing people. Yes, yeah, that's messed they up. do. Then that is messed up. I remember a missing person, male. And I remember late on a Friday night in the summer, I had a phone call from somebody saying that it they were calling to find this missing person. They were asked by the dad of the missing person to call. So this was the uncle. He identified himself and said, I'm the uncle. And all I heard from the spirit world was, no, he's not. And I said, well, I'm being told you're not. And he goes, well, yes, I am. And I said, no, you're not. And now I'm getting into an argument with him on the phone. And he says, yeah, he says, um, the missing person's name is such and such. And it was in this city. And I said, yeah, I said, I already know all of that. And I said, what are you, what are you calling for? And we, it was confrontational. And then the spirit world said to me, he has two little boys. They just had a nighttime bath and they're running around the house naked. Just say it. So I did. I repeated it. 
he hung up the phone. I guess so. Because all of a sudden he realized, Jesus, she can see me. She knows I've got two little boys running around the house naked and they've just had their bath. Shit. He hung up the phone and it was like, well, there you go. He got caught. And I rely on that spirit world 100% to help me so that I know that the person phoning is who they say they are. Yeah, and to protect the family, the real family. Yes. Yeah. And potentially the person that's gone missing. Yes, and I I wanted to cover something about this too, Kelly. Um, Well, another question. Do you ever refuse to find a missing person? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because we've been given information in certain missing persons reports um, that there was an inside job by the police. Mm Mm-hmm. We've been told who some of the murderers are and to stay out of it for Mm -hmm. our own life's protection. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that doesn't provide closure for families, but it does protect our own life so we can help the thousands of people we see in a year. Mm -hmm. I've been told no, um, because the missing person um, went missing on purpose because they were being abused by a spouse and had taken their family and had fled for safety and that they did not want to be found. So there are instances where people are considered missing people of any age, child and adult included, where it is a matter of safety that they have left. And so for us to give the information puts them back into jeopardy again. Yep. And we've also, this is, um, this is kind of a, a really difficult thing to explain, but we've been given information where the people that were asking to find the body of the missing person in terms of their soul contracts were not supposed to be the one to find the body. It was supposed to be an EMT or a first responder of sorts that would find it and either be able to process it better or it was supposed to be something that changed this person's life. I remember a particular one. Yeah, and that's difficult because that can in the moment feel like no one is getting closure and that someone is supposed to be shocked or taken aback when they do, I'll say, stumble upon the missing person or discover. Um, But it can be part of your path to learn. And that's not for us to interfere with. Can I give an example? Mm -hmm. I remember working on finding a missing person with a police department in another city and the family members as well. And we did a search for a week. And the day that he was to be found, he decided that he wanted to be found by a complete stranger who would come across his body in the bush where he hung himself. He did not want it to be his family. He did not want it to be the police, which I don't understand that. I didn't understand it. But when I asked him why he picked this particular man who was out on his ATV, who did the same basic run through the bush, this gentleman who hung himself there knew this because they had had a camp out there. So he knew it was basically that he knew he'd be found that day or within a day or two. And roughly by these people that lived in this area. He chose that. He chose it for that man's growth, which had nothing to do with me being able to say, hey, 
um, I have to get a hold of this guy that lives out in the bush and give him the location. I just knew that it had to be that someone else was going to find his body and that I could only give the family information and the police to such a degree. They were livid with me. That did not go down very well because all of the information for a week had been accurate and then on the final day of, it was like I got the whole thing, quote unquote, wrong. So sometimes it's it's not a it's not an easy ending um, in finding missing people. Kelly, when you're finding a missing person, how do you sleep? Oh, on my side, but <laughs> not well. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. It's usually broken sleep with. Um, dreams that pertain to the situation that the missing person's in where you're kind of given bits and pieces of information in both like in all of the dreams Mm -hmm. um I know in some situations I wake up very panicked but that's again if I'm in the body of the person that is missing if they're doing this as well I tend to mirror what they're going through um and I do, I feel inclined to say that I feel their same temperature, but I also haven't had that confirmed in all situations, but I seem to be out of control of my own body and its fluctuation, regardless of what my current environment is. So if I'm sleeping in a warm home, my temperature can spike or, or drop depending on what that person's going through, regardless of what my human experience is. I remember when we were working on finding Alexi. A couple of well, a few summers ago now, you were we were both in the same bed. I was up all night talking to the police and to the family and to the volunteers that were working, and you were laying in the bed beside me, and you would fall asleep, and then your heart would race, you would be panicky, and then you would sit straight up, then you'd fall right back to sleep again. And when we spoke to Alexi when they did find her and they had the search and rescue party celebration of her life, um, we found out from Alexi that she would lay down, fall asleep a little bit, wake up startled and run again through the bush through the night. Mm -hmm. So you were getting your affirmation from her a couple of weeks after she was found that everything that you went through that night was exactly what Alexi was doing. Mm -hmm. But but that's a rare case, right? Like she was able to articulate those things. She was also found alive to be able to do that. Yeah, it it doesn't happen in every situation. But that seems to be what my body does regardless. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I find sometimes Kelly when I remember once when I was going to sleep, it had a really busy day. And one of the men that was missing came into my room and said, Okay, get up, I'm going to show you where I am. And I said, I I don't want to get out of bed. No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I said, I'm too tired. It's been a really busy, like 12, 14 hour day of working with clients. If you're going to show me where you are and you're picking this moment, you're going to have to just tell me and show me from here. Mm -hmm. And he did. He absolutely showed me. And I'll say on the wall or the ceiling of the bedroom. But I want to see things like with my eyes opened and closed, because it doesn't matter. You can have your eyes open or closed and still see things. And he verbalized. So I could literally see him. So people say, 
What do you mean you see them? How do you see them? Well, I saw him like I'm looking at you in front of me. So I could describe that he had a bald head. I could say that he was around five, eight, five, nine. I could say that he was in very good shape and that he was in his 60s. I could say the looks like you're there, not. And some people say, well, are they like an apparition? Can you see through them? No, he looked solid like a human. No, I have to tell them to move over if I need to see past them. <laughs> yes, that's right. Could you move to the left, please? <laughs> um, but he looked solid. And so people will sometimes say, well, don't you scream? And I would say, no, I grew up in a funeral home. Could you, could you imagine if that person walked in the room and you screamed because they were a solid being like the human? <laughs> Is this how you react to everyone? Oh, well, I've done that. I've, are you, okay, oh, like, I know you have. I, I've actually screamed when there is a human in the room. Yeah. Because they have startled me more than the dead person. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is why I think it's funny. Oh, okay. Yeah, totally. So when you grow up in a funeral home, you are so used to seeing the dead people in the casket. But you're also used to seeing your dad, who's the funeral director that's working on them. Okay, yeah, first time listeners should probably go back to episode one. Okay, yes. And you're used to seeing your brothers and sisters around, but you're also used to seeing the spirit of the person who's in the casket get up and walk around. So you have to differentiate between dead person in casket, dead person walking around, and living family members walking around. So this is something that you just get used to. So I don't know why I scream at humans. I don't think that's where we started. I know, but I just realized it. <laughs> I, I know why I scream at humans. <laughs> Maybe other people listening know why we scream at humans too. <laughs> okay, so going back to what I was saying is that he came through, his name was Jacques, and he came through to say, exactly where his body was. So he named the lakes, he named the location, he said he had drowned. But I remembered thinking and feeling like I was drowning. So when you're laying in bed, how do you feel like you're drowning? Well, you feel like you can't breathe. You just feel pressure on your chest. But it only lasted for a short period of time. He said I drowned. So I didn't have to, I'll say suffer with him. I asked the question, can you sleep? And we got here. Like ever? Oh, <laughs> no, you asked me how I slept. Oh, right. Yeah. So sometimes it's hard getting to sleep. Mm, no. No, I fall asleep. Yes, you do. Yeah. I don't. Okay. I find when we're finding missing people that going to bed at night or having a shower. Oh, that's not going to sound good, but. A lot of what we say doesn't sound good. So just go ahead. Just go. I find when I'm in the shower, I get a lot of information. Yeah, well, people know we've called the bathroom our office. True. And I find when I go to bed at night, it's even busier. Mm -hmm. I don't find it um, a calming down time. I find it quite active to get information about missing people. That's good. I And hopefully when people are listening to this, they hear it and think, um, she's the one I want to call then. Yeah, because... I find at that time that there's nothing else going on in the day. So it's just, it's clear. It's just easier. And I think I'm a little bit more impatient because I want to go to sleep. So 
you know, when they say, well, come over here and I'll show you where I am. And I'm like, no, no you come over here. <laughs> you come to me and I'll write it down. Yes. So someone is now listening that I'm actually saying to a person who has died. No, you come over here and sit in the bed with me. <laughs> you come over and tell me where you are. Yeah. I And I, I want to say, too, I hope people hear that we argue with them. And that I often get very annoyed with missing people. I, I will say to them, if you can't tell me where you are, I'm too busy. Like, go away. Come back when you want to tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we've had a particular one that we worked on who lied to us. Yes. About where he was. Um, and, and, and flat out said that that was his personality when he was alive, that he lied. And that, well, I mean, it got complicated the further we got into things. But the bottom line was he gave us wrong information on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have to be able to ask the spirit world um, what they're doing at that point. I know sometimes when I'm finding a missing person, if they're giving general information, like I'm in the bush, but they won't say where, then I will go up to their spirit guides and say, I'm not dealing with that missing person. I will only deal with the spirit guides. And if you guys aren't telling me, then I'm not the right person to find this missing person. And I don't want to waste the police officer's time or the family's time. So sometimes I've actually said to people, I, I'm not going to get a clear connection because your family member has this type of personality. Kelly, we're going to move on to your yes, our yes and no's together. Okay. Because this is something that, well, go ahead and explain yes or no's to people first. Just general ones. Just general. Okay. So you'll come up to me in the middle of the day and you'll say, I have a question in my head. Can you answer me a yes or a no? Right? So that's how it starts or is initiated. And then once you ask me that, I don't always hear the question. I often don't hear the question, um, like psychically, but I will hear yes or no. And I will often get a little piece of information with the yes or the no. And that small piece of information often um, reinforces the answer. Okay. So... I'm going to say something like that I would formulate the question in my mind, is he alive? Um, yeah, okay. Something like, is yeah, he alive? That's a good question because often I will hear yes, but I get chest pains and I have, I'm feeling like trouble breathing. And and you may have already received information from the family reasons as to why he might be having trouble breathing and And oftentimes I don't know about those things that's right the family might say that he has asthma and I've written asthma down on a piece of paper I might have got that as an information and affirmation earlier but you didn't get that yeah because frequently we don't work with the families at the same time that's right you are often the one that's contacted to find the missing person and you do the bulk of the work and you'll just come to me with silent yeses or no questions to I'm, I'm assuming feel confident in the information you're you're providing for them. Yeah. So recently I came up to you because there were three missing people in one week. Just what, last week? Just in case anyone knows how Karen's sleeping. <laughs> yeah. So I'm working on three missing people at the same time in three different areas. So this is not three local North Bay people. One is out in um, BC. So they're they're in different locations. I'll just say that much. So... I walked up to you. You didn't know I was working on three people. I walked up to you and in my head, I said, um, north or south of the bridge. 
And then I had to reword it in my mind. How well, do I ask that as a yes or no? So I remembered saying something in, t- in my head like, okay, I can't word it that way. Is she north of the bridge? So that I could get you to give me the yes or no. Okay, so I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I turned to you because you hadn't vocalized the question and I said yes up. Yes, or correct. Yes, yes higher. You said yes higher. And then I had to affirm with the family that if it was north, would that be higher? And they said yes. So the pieces of information where you give the yes or the no, plus the information you get, may not always give me everything I need. But I can go back to the family, put it all together and get it from them. This is so cool. Because like, I mean, when you're in a channeling session with a one on one person who's alive, and you're giving information, there's so much more context. There's usually follow up or explanations to the things that you're getting. And yet in these yes or no's, you're given one word, and then one tiny little tidbit out of out of any context whatsoever. And you're just supposed to trust to say yes, higher. And hope to God that that does something for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One missing person parked their car and left it with the keys in it so that the family could retrieve the car. And then they disappeared. Side of the highway. They wanted me to be able to describe what direction the car is facing. So that they can know if I'm any good. Because now, and that's fair, because according to this family... They had piles of psychics call them to say that for $10,000, they could find the missing person. That's disgusting. Yes. And I don't do that. Neither do you. This family called us. They found us and asked us to help. So they asked certain questions like, which direction was the car facing? And I said, well, first of all, it wasn't even her car. It was, she says, someone else's vehicle. That's correct. So you want to be able to say stuff like that, like it wasn't even her vehicle. Some people might think and assume and not even ask that. Was she driving her own vehicle or someone else's? She was driving her mom's. Mm -hmm. Where did she leave the keys in the vehicle? Well, she could have dropped them. She could have kept them on her, kept them on her and took them wherever she was going. Did she get into another vehicle? And I said, no, she returned, walked behind the vehicle and went into the bush. What do you mean? If you go behind the vehicle, wouldn't you be walking down the highway? And I said, no, because she parked it facing the road in a parking lot. Mm. And they said, that's correct. So you have to be able to remote view in order to see you and I have to remote view that car. So that we can see, and now it's winter. So they saw track prints in the snow. The police did. So I said, no, I said, she got out of her vehicle and she went to the back of the vehicle. So that tells me that if she's going into the bush, the vehicle has to be with its rear end facing the bush. Correct. So that's the remote. That's part of what we do is we have to remote view that and her footprints proved that she went back into the bush not into another vehicle and took off down the highway so that she couldn't be followed so I just went from talking about yes and no's to remote viewing 
Yeah, so you're that, a shit show. I am. But that's what happens when you talk about these gifts because yep. there are so many and they all interface. Mm-hmm. And because they do so smoothly sometimes and so quickly, I think it's good for people to hear that sometimes we really do have our shit together. It's, am- yeah. it's amazing. In spite of having no protocol, in spite of having no um, method as to how to figure this out. And I, and I, I want to, I want to sound better. <laughs> I just want to sound more. She's just hung her head, ladies I, and gentlemen. I just want to sound more professional that I just don't have my shit together like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know what? It's funny because we can talk about the gifts and, and label all the different kinds that we use. And yet I know in this particular case that you just used an example for, you had said to me at one point, because it snowed so much, the tracks were covered that you couldn't get your yeses or nos. And I looked at you like, and I know I was annoyed, but like, because I knew you knew better. And I was like, for the love of God, mom, just get in your body. Like, stop worrying about what the other people, the other humans are looking for. Remote view from the person's body. Well, you also said something else to me. You said to me, for the love of God, mom, just change the seasons. Yes. And I went, well, fuck. Yes, I know better than that. Yeah. But you reminded me that we can change the seasons when we remote view. Because we time travel. So if you are able to remote view her and you can see the location, melt the snow, ask the guides to show you what it looks like in spring, summer and fall. Yeah. So that if there's if there's something else there, like a huge boulder that I can't see, or I don't know, like where the there's a path that might merge or something or divide. Any indication of a landmark. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, that was when you were irritated so, with yes. me. Yeah. Well, sometimes being irritated, though, is good because it just forces a new thought to come in. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not actual irritation. It's just more of like, can you remember who you are for a minute? Yeah, I guess we all Well, Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll take that. yeah in efforts to sound better i'll take what i can get yeah okay i know i'm skipping again but let's go to the remote viewing because we just touched on it and try and explain to people what it is and for me the best way that i try to explain it in a consent process when they when someone says what's remote viewing i say it's like being a human drone meaning that we can fly over a location go down close to it, like where the body is, but also come up higher so that if there's a lake nearby, you could see it. That's neat. I don't think I would have known to describe it that way. Oh, that's 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 great. Yeah. Now, if the drone could go back in time through a portal, we do that too. Yes. And the way that I discovered that was when we were doing paddle boarding one summer with Amanda and she had a company come out that had a drone. You guys were out on the lake and you had... commercial. Yeah, you guys had gone far out into the lake and I stood on shore with the two people who were running the drone. And they said, do you want to see what we're doing? And I said, sure. So I went over and I was looking over their shoulder. And as the two of them were showing me that they could go down close to see your faces, they could come up. I said, oh, that's just like remote viewing. And the two of them looked at me and went, what? (laughs) And I said, oh, I do that. So I just explained to them that when you're remote viewing, trying to find a missing person, you have to be like the drone. And I recall like that when we're doing this, 
that you want to go down close, but you also want to come up higher to see if you can see, like you said, landmarks, street names, buildings, the way the landscape moves. Yeah, it's details as well as perspectives. Mm-hmm. Now, I always describe it as seeing a location that you're not currently in. So drones, you physically have to be in the location, right? Mm. Okay. So we're talking about remote being far away from the actual place that we can view. Yeah, because we're quite often asked to find missing people that are nowhere near the same city, province, or even country that we're in. Also, don't invite me into a bush. Exactly. I don't want to go where the missing person is. So if someone calls and says we're in Quebec, can you get here? No, thank you. I will stay in my bed. I will sit on my couch. I can be in my car. I can be in the grocery store. I can be someplace else and do it. Oh, I wanted to go backwards for one quick second to the yes, no's and say that yes, no's have been practiced for years. So, and the reason that these came about was I remember asking you sometimes to channel for me and you didn't want to. And Mm -hmm. I remembered thinking, well, how am I going to get an affirmation and you were just preoccupied you didn't I there have been a lot of times too where I was too afraid to be too close or attached to your outcome oh like I mean if you said will I ever find a partner again oh I know what I want for you as a daughter I know what I hope for you um I know how badly I want to be right or not be wrong however you want to look at that Mm. so I think in a lot of situations where it's been I'll say sensitive information just to cover a wide range of things. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know the question. I want to be able to just give it to you straight the way the guides say it and not feel any Kelly attachment to it. Yeah, because if it's a no, it's a no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or Or flying out the door to another job and you say, whoa, 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 can I just ask you a yes or a no? Mm, Yes, hire. Yeah. And I'm gone. Yeah. It makes it factual and detached. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that this came up for you in this way, because you turned it around and would come up to me and say, can I ask you a yes or no? And I remember the first time you asked me that I thought, no, I don't know how to do that. I just know how to remote view (laughs) and talk to dead people. Yeah, that's humorous. I didn't think I could do that. I thought that was Kelly's gift. And then it was like, but then I heard so fast in my head. Yes, to the right or well and three, the answer's three or yeah and I thought well wait a minute maybe I have the answer well and it's what question well and it's what what clients do too right like yeah. they ask the yes or no out loud and you still get the answer the same way mm-hmm. I like doing yes or no's in treatments to practice and I use a pen and paper now and I have for the last several years and I write down yes or no before people can ask me the question and I write as much information with it as I can get. And then I ask them to ask me their question and I show them what's on the piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And I do it as a regular practice every single day, almost with every single client to see my accuracy. I should book an appointment with you <laughs> just for fun. Okay. <laughs> but I want that accuracy. I want to know what it is. I want to know if it's 50% or if it's 80% or if it's 95% or 3%. I want to know what that is. I don't shy away from finding out what is accurate because I want to know if it's 50%. I want to know how do I get to 60. I want the spirit guides to say to me, here's how you get to 70. 
Here's how you get to your 80. Not how can I make $10,000. Yeah. I, I really feel like picking on that. Yeah. Do you know any surgeon who goes through medical records of people who can't afford to be treated or don't have a doctor and calls them and says, I hear you have a surgery. I charge five. Mm-hmm. I can do this for you. Yeah. I know. I know. It's heartbreaking, eh? Yeah, because there's real people busting their asses to be great at what they do mm-hmm. and are humble enough to make it accessible to everyone mm-hmm. because it's it's about dealing with people's pain. Mm-hmm. And then there's these people who are just hunting. Yeah. Okay. So another another one that I wanted to bring up today was um, find. I won't say finding a missing person so much as it is telling people when they call and say we have a missing person that they're temporarily missing but they are going to come back and sometimes they're going to come back that day sometimes they're going to come back in a month or two months or they're going to find them in a year or two years where I've had to say to people they're alive and they're going to be okay like they you will see them again but it doesn't mean giving them the answer of and they're over here on John Street. And that's that's a that's a kind of difficult missing person because they're calling and saying we have a missing person, the police have been notified, we are organizing search and rescue, the community is out there trying to find them, and I'm saying, why don't you just stay home? And they are in a panic to find that person. But I was correct. That person came back home. Nobody found them. They made their way back home. So it's a different, I'll say, because they still consider it missing persons. Sometimes the answer isn't here, I'm going to find them, but I can tell you the outcome. Okay, sorry, I thought you were asking a question. No, I just wanted to bring up... To mention that this is a process? Well, yeah, Yeah. just to explain to people that in doing this work, how much we've learned and how many different types of scenarios there are that sometimes people think a missing person is the type that you just see on TV where the helicopter is out flying, where the helicopter lowers down and grabs the body and pulls them out and rescues them. A lot of people think that what we do, Kelly, is in only one aspect. However, I do realize that if there are any police officers listening to this show or helicopter pilots, that they would understand that there are all kinds of situations and scenarios. But I don't think every kind of listener would understand that. Mm -hmm. Well, if you've never had someone go missing in your life, why would you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. You only believe what you hear and see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you another question. After you have found a missing person or worked on a case and they died and they were found, did you ever have the family member book an appointment with you after the fact? I, I think my answer would end up having to be no, because the only case that I worked on directly was with Alexi, and she was found alive. So I've only really aided you in the yeses and nos on the rest of the missing people that have phoned our numbers. 
okay, then I'm going to answer that question to say that we have had clients, um, like those, their family members and their friends come back and book appointments afterwards in person. Some have come in person, some have phoned and done FaceTime and Skype and have said, I'm so-and-so, I'm George. I'll just pick that name, George, for an example. And um, I'm the mom of so-and-so who you found and they passed away. I know that he's dead, but how did this happen? What happened in my son or so-and-so's life? What was going on around this time? He was missing for so many months or a year or whatever. The coroner says X, Y, and Z, but there are so many unanswered questions. And that's when medium comes in. That's when the family can get closure by speaking to you and I to figure out what happened in that time frame. Did I overdose? Did I take the pills on purpose? Was it an accident? Was I drunk? Was I sleepy? Um, all of these different different things. Did a gang beat me up? Was I involved in a gang for a period of time? Is this why I went missing? So my family wouldn't be hurt. They wouldn't be drawn into what was going on. There, and I and I'm giving some of those examples, but those are true. Those are ones that have actually come out of my mouth. So that even after a missing person is located, family members still call us for closure. They they want their answers. And the coroner can certainly give them a lot of answers without a doubt. But sometimes they're still, and sometimes so can the police, I should say, because I do want to give credit everywhere. But sometimes there are answers that the spirit world can give that nobody else can. And I'm thrilled that even though we both still work on missing people, that we can still go to that degree that after the fact that if they've died, that you and I can still give them more closure and more peace. Mm -hmm. Because I think when someone has gone missing for such a long period of time, and I say long because I think if you or Andrew were missing or Eric, that a long period of time would even be a day. I can't imagine for people that it's weeks or months or years. Yeah. And what it does to your entire life to go through something like that. So to give these people some closure in a half an hour or a one hour session, I think is huge. Whether the answers are good or not. Yeah, because just knowing helps. Yeah. And, And sometimes when I have to explain it and say, you know, they were involved in a gang. They had murdered somebody. This was a payback in a gang to murder your son. Blah, blah, blah. It, those answers are not good. They're not kind. They're not gentle. No, but sometimes they make sense. And sense is what we are trying to do as humans, is, is understand our experience. Yeah. Because sometimes once they go, okay, that makes sense, I'm angry. Then they can get then into... They can process their emotions. Yeah. They can't process anything if they don't know what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like it because I find in those situations where they move from being, I just don't know what it is to, well, now I'm mad at them, that now they actually get to say, well, can I ask them questions? I'm mad at them now. Yes, ask. Because as they ask that spirit questions and we can give the answers, they continue to move through anger. They don't have to stay stuck in it either. 
as opposed to learning it and then going away and staying stuck again. Okay, so I kind of got through quite a few questions that we've been asked. There's sure questions you didn't ask either. What's that? And questions you didn't ask. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I've missed some that people do ask mm-hmm. because they will say other things like, what's it like being an, a mom and a daughter mm-hmm. doing something like this together? Like they'll say things like, well, it's created separation anxiety in my own life. <laughs> okay. It's created a very unique dependency that I don't think psychiatrists can quite define. Well, I think to a great to some degree, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's the support system. It helps me make sense of my experience. Yes. And when everyone else is looking at us like, or me, like I have a third eye because I can't do certain things in my life due to the gifts, you're who I can look to to know, nope, this is okay. This is part of the process. Yeah. And and I think, back to your response about a psychiatrist might not be able to help us, I think you're right because I don't know that psychiatrists would be able to understand all of these gifts and how we live with them to begin with. No. I don't think they would understand. We haven't even talked about mere touch synesthesia mm-hmm. in all of this. There are so many different gifts that you and I have had to work through this and find normal and find, and you know, some people might say there is nothing normal about any of it. And that's, sure, that's, that's okay. That's true. So how do we find healthy in it? Mm-hmm. I like that. Oh, yeah. It's my goal all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a great question for anyone. Never mind what's normal. How can I find healthy? Yeah. Healthy separation anxiety. <laughs> it's still humorous. Did you want to call the show that? <laughs> no, because that's not the focus. <laughs> that's okay. It can be about us another day. Okay. Well, Kelly, thank you for answering the questions. Yeah. Thank you for putting them down. And I mean, I know we put it out to every single person or listener in every single podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can always email them to us at info at buysarlo.com. This is what we do with them. We make shows out of them. Yeah. And and I think for the people who are listening to this show who stopped us in the grocery store or girlfriends who've sat on a couch in our home and said, how the hell do you live like this? Or you know, stop in public speaking and ask us these questions. I just tried to gather from all different areas today Mm -hmm. to address some of that. Cool. Well, thanks. You're welcome. Okay. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at info at com. Otherwise, have a beautiful weekend.